Hello and welcome to Smosa Chats, where every week I, comedian Preet Singh, will host a guest who has challenged South Asian norms, whether that be through pursuing a passion as a career or devoting their work to challenging the status quo and taboos within our communities. So sit back, grab a smosa, and enjoy. Hello, so Sandy from Seek Forgiveness, how are you? Good, thank you, how are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Uh, getting there slowly, it's quite early on a Saturday, so. Um, so, Seek Forgiveness, uh, for those that don't know, what do you guys do? Seek Forgiveness is a mental health and wellbeing organisation. Yep. It supports the Seek and BME community with talking about daily struggles, Mental health, positive well-being, communication and language. Right. Excellent. Okay, cool. I just, I just thought you were just going to carry on listing things. We have a spectrum of things that we do. So we work across Gordare support groups, men and women, um, universities. We have a, such a broad um, group of people that we work with across the nation to be able to deliver mental health support. How long have you been going for? Around 18 months. So 18 months, would you say you're still relatively new? Yes. Yeah, yes. Good. Very, very new, I would say. <laughs> what inspired you to actually get into... So, I, I mean, one of the reasons that we kind of started going as well was because we wanted to bring about attention to these issues that people don't talk about. So your mental health, your domestic violences and stuff. Um, in a community that's, I guess, not very educated about this... Kind of, kind of stuff what made you want to challenge that I think it was the basis of we live in a western world we've traveled we've experienced we've developed academically professionally but we never get the sense of can we openly communicate about our feelings and our emotions especially within our families and our support networks at home yeah and I think over time we have been taught to just get on with it yeah. Um, so it was important to kind of give back in the sense of seva that doesn't relate just going to the Gordara. Talk to younger adults and say to them, what is stressing you? Mm-hmm. You know, many of us have lost friends, family members, um, <clears throat> experienced things that others haven't and we don't get a chance to express how we feel. Yeah. And we don't have that individual that we can connect to, especially maybe in the professional world either. Mm -hmm. So without having to take on these conversations, these taboo topics, these stigmas around mental health, no one's gonna be able to get the support they need because no one talks about it. Yeah, I've always always found that kind of weird. And my own personal hypothesis based on literally zero evidence, (laughs) right, is I think something was lost when people started making the move from south asia to the western world because when you like look back through um history folklore everything like that uh, let's take Punjabi culture for for instance it's always been quite an expressive you know you do your poetries and like you know um love stories music everything but then i feel like once that once those two cultures sort of collided i think something was lost and one of those things i think was the expressive side 
Um, it's kind of like what you said. I think a lot of people, I'm, I'm sure people listening, watching, I think everybody in the room, we kind of agree and share that experience of either brushing it under the carpet or just not acknowledging that it's a thing. I think it's quite difficult as well because nowadays there's so many labels and mental health is a huge label, not even just from our ancestors, but in the professional world. You know, you think about if you were to talk about mental health at work, mm. they'd be like, oh, okay, we need to kind of... Sorry. Talk about... <laughs> I was like fucking around with the mic. Put it in my face. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to be like, you're like, can you even see my face now? <laughs> Do I need to? No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> um, it was a sense of how can we have that conversation with someone that we can relate to? Um, mental health can be through genetics what we experienced from whether it's childbirth or um, through depression, anxiety, it can affect the child. Mm. And essentially, the traumas that people bring over from when they're moving countries, we never really talk about that either. Yeah. I mean, you know, we moved with the partition, we moved from India or Pakistan or Bangladesh to the UK to have a better life, financially, professionally. And we've just had to kind of build ourselves up from nothing to everything. Mm. But again, we never had that opportunity to communicate openly. Yeah. To listen, to talk, to actually go to someone and say, this is happening, who can I talk to? Without judgment. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I, I, I do a couple of jokes about uh, mental health as well. One of them, the premise is, like an Asian dude going to like a white therapist. And it's like, how can a white therapist advise or like understand or empathize with the experience of a first generation immigrant? It's difficult, and, hugely yeah, difficult. hundred percent. And I think that's where organizations like yours come in where there are people that understand the, the, the struggle, I guess, the, that, that can relate to that story and understand certain elements of it. Whereas somebody who hasn't been through that, how, how can they really... I think with mental health or any form of health, it's finding the best shoe that fits you. Mm. Um, you cannot experience something and expect one thing to fix it. Yeah. And we've kind of been in a, in a situation where we believe that one should fix everything. Yeah. One thing will fix everything. One person will fix everything. But it's not necessarily saying that someone who isn't from the South Asian community can't help you. It's understanding what you actually need help for. Right. And there has been times where you will come across a psychologist or um, a doctor or even just another person who won't understand your situation culturally because it's a cultural problem or a cultural issue. But ultimately, it's, is it a cultural problem and can I strip it back further myself and learn what my mindset or what my condition is at this moment in time right so if I was to say something like anxiety or stress those two can work hand in hand quite well because anxiety and stress is good for us to ex to a certain level mm. but if we were to have that conversation with a family member they'd be like just get on with it everybody has it yeah but not necessarily Mm. You know, it's 
what's your anxiety level what's my anxiety level they're different and what what the thresholds are as well yeah. like um and it's explaining that to a parent yeah you know a parent who has moved countries or from a male or female perspective if they've left got married and then left their family home they're like well i don't even have my my brother next to me anymore you try and deal with that yeah it's like they have that this force of trying to fight against i had this you have this yeah and not appreciate that i I think a lot of this stuff's like internal Mm. so i feel like their emotions at that time would have been very similar to what we're going through even though even i'll objectively say i think their situation was obviously tougher but i feel like the feelings are almost the exact same yeah so the anxiety the stress etc it's just that we put it on something else like also the situation is different yeah 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 yeah, yeah. no no so they they're the individual who's comparing to say a parent they're seeing it from a situation of we've had to upheave and the other person has seen it from, I'm struggling with something at school. Yeah. And it's being the other person to say, can I have that conversation with you? And it's that education that we want to try and bring into families and charity support groups with the older generation who are seeing friends, families, children isolating themselves because they just don't know how to have that conversation. How do you go about trying to do that then? Because obviously you've set up an organisation. One, one of the back goals to is education, that. because majority of our families are professionals. They've been to university. They've gone to school. They've come to this country. They've learned English. They've learned to build their own business. So it's through education. Mm. How can we help you understand who is it within your family or within your friends or within your situations at work? what is that relatability that you've experienced that you can share with us? Yeah. And it's only when they experience that from a, someone who's from their own community or from a spectrum where they are giving them the time to learn, can they say, actually, I've seen that through myself or I've seen that through a friend of mine or a family member. Yeah. It's giving them the opportunity, that platform to say, okay, maybe I can have that conversation now. Right. But practically, so practically, how does Seek Forgiveness go about trying to... So we do that that? through a variety of support groups. We hold support groups across the country, which is available to anyone and everyone. Um, We go into the Godwares. We go go to other support groups that are set up um, in different parts in cities and towns. And we have those conversations with them. Mm -hmm. Because essentially, the individuals who have turned up are aware it's mental health related. Yeah. So they want to learn. They want mm. to know how is it affecting me or how is it affecting the person that they're wanting to support. Have you seen a change in attitudes from, let's say, the old, older generation, maybe even the younger Massively. generation? Massively. In so many, different, so many different places, so many different individuals, even within my own family and friend circles. Um, I see it through the people that I meet. Yeah. And it's just like, you're so self-aware now that we're able to give you that platform to say, okay, how can I then support the next generation? And it's really simple things to understand. It's a part of your health. Yeah. Like one of the things that we did was um, be a part of an event which took place last year. And towards the end, when everybody breaks and has um, catch up and networks, this older gentleman had come over from a Pakistani background, had said, the very common question I get asked is, have I always had mental health? 
Right. And that, for one, is such a humbling question to have, from especially from an older generation and from a man, mm-hmm. because they're wanting to learn. They're yeah. wanting to understand that actually it's not, because of something has happened to them there isn't something wrong with them that mental health is there it's in everyone and it can impact you but it could also impact you positively yeah and that's one of the most amazing things that we get to do with with seek forgiveness is we touch so many different people which they get to take away and then provide those informations to their friends and family yeah i think you you, you touched on something there which is um that it was an older man. Mm. And I think a lot of South Asian cultures ha- have this like fixation with like masculinity. And I feel like in, in, in a weird way, I think um, it's always like mental health is seen as like quite a feminine thing, whereas yes. I actually think it's the opposite. I feel like it needs to, like, I, I think the conversation around it needs to change, right? I feel like it needs to be seen as a masculine thing. Like what could be more masculine than working on yourself yeah. To make sure, like, you know, further down the line when you've got, like, you know, a family, a, a wife and kids, that your own bullshit doesn't impact them. Yes. And I don't understand how that's not seen as, like, a masculine thing. I think it's because of, there's, like, a set box that we put men into. Right. Um, as in, they have to be a certain way. They have to have a certain emotion. And that's instilled through school or through university or the friendship groups or the family that they're with. They never have the opportunity to share their emotion. Mm. And it's only like the suicide rates and any form of stress or financial struggles heavily kind of fall onto the man. Mm. And it's more common for a man to take their own life during a period of, I think, 25 to 49 because of the struggles they go through. It's the, it's the, leading ex- call, it's the leading killer, I think, in that age group. Because it's a experience that they don't get to share with anybody. Mm. They don't get to go home and say, okay, I've had a shitty day at work. Um, this has happened, that has happened. Yeah. I just want my own time. They don't have that platform. Not in every area. And neither does a man always have the ability to say, okay, I'm going to a support group. How would they be, be perceived? How would they be judged? Within their own friend circle, whether in their um, school or their university. I mean, we've had conversations with individuals as young as 18, 17, 18, where they're struggling with anxiety, but their family thinks that something has, someone has done something to them. When actually, it's just, they have a lot of pressure. Yeah. They just want to talk to someone and say, okay, it's okay, how can we help you? I, I see that a lot. I see that so much, where it's like, oh, in a black magic idea, or like something. And you're just like, no, your son's just depressed. <laughs> like, fix it. They're like, oh, we're going to take him to like a fucking shaman. And I'm like, no, take him to a mental health place. Like, yes. please, go see a GP. You don't need you don't need fucking um, like lighting fucking diva and shit. <laughs> you need antidepressants, bro. <laughs> Get on that Prozac. <laughs> you need but that's therapy. The thing. It's, it's a learned behaviour, isn't it? It's, they've come from a from a country where um, conversations and spirituality and rituals and things like that are heavily embodied into that individual yeah. because that's what they practice and that's what they've seen and that's what their evidence is, but. For here, when they come over, our evidence is 
how can we get them support to a GP or to a therapist? They don't believe in that because they don't yeah. see that it works. When I was in my teens, um, so I was still at school, and um, there was a girl that I knew who had like an eating disorder, and she was from, like, I think she was, she was half Pakistani. Her mum was Pakistani and her dad was Hindu, I think, so Gujarati, I think he was. And uh, she had an eating disorder, and rather than like get her actual help, she had like something tied around her arm. Uh, and I was like, I was like, oh, what's that? And she was just like, oh, you know, I've just been like, show blah, blah, blah. Like, we, we knew each other fairly well. So she was like, oh, I've got this like eating disorder thing going on. And I, she was like, I told my parents and they took me to some like fucking... So they give, I think, I can't dude, remember like, what it's uh, called, but um, I think one of, some people call it a David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or some people would wear like a black, black thread or yeah, something yeah, to yeah, keep yeah. Nezzard away. Um, was... Or keep the spirits away or something like that. Um, but they're not, because of lack of education, lack of awareness, the only thing that they know is to, okay, let's take them to an elder and see if they can cure them. Yeah. Um, and eating disorders within the South Asian communities, like, how can you have an eating disorder? We eat all the time. It's our thing. Yeah. You know? It's <laughs> yeah. like talking about alcohol within Punjabi communities, like... But that's your thing. You guys are known for it. Yeah. And she was like, bro, we want to evolve. Yeah. We want to change. Yeah. It's like, well, actually, we, it's not something that we do. It's not a label that is stuck to us. Mm. Everybody is individual. Um, and those are really hard topics for our community to kind of take on board. And especially for men as well. Um, I did a presentation not too long ago about alcohol. And... One of the things that I did was to incorporate like alcohol-free wine, um, but actually because of the way it's fermented, it's still got alcohol in it, so it would still affect someone who doesn't drink at all. So Fuck. the way fruit is fermented, yeah. it has a percentage of alcohol within yeah. that ingredients. Jeez, do you so, see? Do you? Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But do you see a lot of like addiction, like? People seeking help for addiction? Yes. I, I, obviously, the Punjabi community. I Not think just in the Punjabi community. And I think there's so many different levels to addiction nowadays. Um, you know, you've got gambling, drinking, substance misuses. Um, it's when they're willing to talk about it. And unfortunately, we're kind of in a situation where we have so many acts in place that we can only help them so far. Mm. And until they take that step forward to say, okay, I'm willing to do this, can like the NHS or GP, even family members step in and say, okay, how can we do this? Yeah. There's so many different levels to addiction. It's just, what is it that we can give you to give you that support? Yeah. And I, again, this is kind of where I come into it. I, that I've personally, just anecdotally, I've seen an increase in the number of like addiction charities that have been popping up that specialise in South Asian cultures, uh, especially Punjabi and the drinking. That's something that, like, I, I think the BBC did articles about it. Um, and like, when you read some of these case studies, it's it's like behaviours that we would see <coughs> perceive as normal. Like there yeah. was a there was a there, there was an article I was reading where the dude was going to weddings and he was like, the last like six family weddings I've got no recollection of. Mm. And you're like. Bruv. But the thing is, it's no different for women. It's literally really? no different mm. for women. We're in a culture where 
we have access and exposure to alcohol at a very early age, especially within the Asian community. Yeah. Um, it's not frowned upon now. You know, you go to weddings, you go to parties, university, oh. it's there. It's reduced yeah. prices. It's like, why not? I'm going to try it. No one's here. I can do this. It's when it goes out of control and you can't control it. And you're going out. People aren't looking at you because, oh, you're a girl, you can't drink. Equal rights. Why not? Mm. But when weddings are happening or occasions and there's parties and women are allowed to drink and are having those one too many, Mm. they're just seeing them as having a good time. But do you see them every day? No. True. So we've had um, a lovely lady who did a podcast with us and she also did um, supported us during a workshop we did in Birmingham for alcohol awareness Mm -hmm. and she suffered with a form of alcohol addiction heavily drinking every day but was exposed to her through family yeah so it was nothing that was any different to her or her family um so them seeking support or being able to have that stepping stone to saying yeah okay it's me too yeah we have equal rights in many things, as well as in the amount of units a woman can have. It's both the same. Men and women can equally have 14 units. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. But women are so much smaller. Still I'm assuming the their livers are smaller as well. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you've got to think about the practice. Like maybe, I should be, maybe, maybe I should be the leading alcohol. Like, no, 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 you drink less, you're smaller. Okay? <laughs> no, but the thing is, it's, it's equal. So the support is not always there and it's heavily frowned upon. If you were to say, or if a female was to come out and say, oh, I have an alcohol addiction, they'd be like, why? Why are you <laughs> drinking so much? Don't you have children? Don't you have a family? Yeah. Why do you need to drink so much? But then you're exposed to a professional world where... That's the culture. Yes. Drinks Especially after in, happy in hours. London, there's happy hours, there's like lunchtime meetings, drinking, out in the evening after work, or if you're in an industry where they do drink a lot, or you're having a lot of meetings, it's like, oh, have a drink. I always kind of question it as well. I, there's like specific people that I've got like on my Instagram from, from uni, from social circles and stuff, where like, I like, I like, I like a party, right? But, oh, my God, like, I, I, I look at their stories and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing every week? Like, yeah. what? have a word with yourself, bro. You're, like, 27 now. Like, chill out. There are some scary stories that are out there. I mean, I've, I've had to support someone when they've nearly passed out and unconscious, and it's not the greatest thing you want to do. Oh, everybody's been there. But uh, <laughs> I think the only thing that we were able to do was to make sure that they were still breathing to get them the support, but they never had the support from their family. Mm. And this wasn't from an Asian culture either. White girls like to party as it well, It wasn't man. even a girl. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the judgment's there already. <laughs> it was actually... <laughs> It was actually a young guy who had far too many to drink. He practically nearly passed out in the middle of the road, so you help him out, of course. Mm. Um, but for, for his friends and family, it was normal. Fuck. It was normal. Yeah. The taxi wouldn't take him home. Paramedics were late. Luckily, his mum was a nurse, but 
It was no different it's, for her. It's difficult though, because like I've got friends that who are, who I class as like close friends, mm. and having those conversations around alcohol is is difficult, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's like it is. It's, it's because if that person's not willing to be like, look. Mm. Like, yeah, I think you're right. And you can't baby somebody. No, and that's the thing with many things with regards to mental health is you have to be able to give them that control back. Mm. Because ultimately, they're struggling with their feelings and their emotions themselves. Yeah. And someone enforcing a routine or a change for them is not something that they want to do. Yeah. I I always view it as like working out or dieting. Mm. Like, it will never go successfully until you yourself. Like, somebody could be telling you, like, hey, man... You need to get back in the gym. You're getting like fat, like stop eating so much. Until you make the decision of, okay, cool, I want to do this. It's your mindset. Yes, yeah. Definitely is the mindset. Uh, one other point I was thinking was self-reflection. I think self-reflection needs to be a bigger thing in, in the South Asian communities. I've like, you have to have those conversations with yourself before any like discernible action takes place. But you always need to be... Because con- I was in that position myself. <clears throat> I think I was partying a lot, especially through like uni and probably like a year or two after. I was partying a lot, drinking a lot. Um, but then I had those conversations just like kind of with, with myself. And I think that's probably what helped the most. It is about learning. I think one of the things that we've been able to kind of learn over the few years is you have to do a lot of self-reflection not just within your workplace or your family or anything like that you have to learn your routines your daily your daily needs your requirements and see it in the sense of okay if i was to go to work and i had a schedule or a meeting or something that i needed to do why wouldn't i do that in my personal life is Mm. my health not more important than me being able to deliver at work yeah and that's not 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 what we're given the tools for when we go to university, it's like our schedule. It's a revision, study, this lecture, that lecture. I've got to make sure I get out of bed and get to my lecture. But then we never kind of practice that when we leave university. Yeah. And it kind of spirals out of control. So self-reflection and learning about what you need as a person, what, what your drives are, what your passions are, what your goals are, are they achievable? Mm. Having the steps and the tools in order to do that and what truly makes you happy and content yeah and there's a lot of lot of tools out there where you can do that you know it's 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 going to workshops learning new things there's a lot of free things out there that you can do you know learn about mental health learn about your community yeah i mean from a Sikh perspective we heavily do seva within our community but it's also it's always perceived as we'll do seva in the gordara but no your seva is to everyone and anyone yeah and our seva isn't just to the Sikh community. We would help anybody in any situation if we can. How do you tie those two things together then? So religion and let's say something that's a fairly new topic, 20, 30 years. Really, I think it's only really kicked up in the last like five or 10 years. Mm. How do you tie religion that's like this old stoic, uh, almost in, unchangeable thing, and then a new topic like mental health? How do you bring those two together? perspective of the mindset Sikhi is a um, religion that is about always learning always being on a journey Mm. and essentially 
we've never had the opportunity to have those discussions within our family and over time people have lost their faith within their sangat within their community because of more cultural situations in society yeah. of having to brush it under the carpet but if you were to listen truly listen to bani truly listen to the words the meaning the understanding you will learn that it's all about who you are and what you're able to do mm and what your mindset is and what your perspective is yeah um a lot of the people that we've came into communication with have always said that they've never felt the support from the community they felt a bit pushed out but after a while seeking support with us and giving them the opportunity the voice the platform on more than one occasion they have come back and always said that I've never been a part of my faith or been welcomed back into my faith more than I have now mm. and that's because they've been able to gain perspective on their mindset right and learn about what is their purpose yeah i think when you i i think though tying those two things together is really important mm. especially when we talk about raising awareness like in old i yeah. i think specifically with older generations of le- of showing them that you know you're not going against the grain with those two things you're it's very much within almost the remit of the religion and you're seeing that not just in uh Sikhism you're seeing it everywhere so like yeah. you're seeing Islamic charities pop up that are mental health related um Hindu charities like also even Christian like everything there is elements in every religion that has some form of stigma or taboo surrounded and attached to mental health but essentially there's also the positivity and the element to be attached reattached to your faith through meditation through understanding through learning what your religion or your faith is what your belief is because mm. everybody's belief is different yeah to an element whether you're still in even in the Sikh community we all believe something different yeah you know, there's an element of something that we have a different opinion on or a different agreement on but that doesn't mean that your faith is any any better or any bolder than the others yeah. it's what you believe what you feel it's how you're spiritually connected and when people are individually going through that journey it's how they're spiritually connected to their guru mm. or their god or who they believe in it might just be something that they believe in within the universe yeah it's you as an individual who's going to take that step Yeah. I think more needs to be made of the personal responsibility that you have over your own mental mm. health. Um we we did a podcast a few episodes ago uh, where we were talking about like my journey through it mm. and all and all that. And like it was probably one of the best things I've done. Like cuz you and we were talking off off camera about the positive side of yeah. mental health where it's like you you come through the other side and you've got all of these techniques now where it's mm. like, "Oh, okay, cool. I can like spot the signs of like me not coping well. You know, I can I can nip it in the bud earlier rather than let it get to a stage where it's like affecting me or like the people around me and stuff um and i think that's the positive side of it i think the thing is once you're more once you become self-aware mm. instead of someone else telling you something's wrong or something's changed or something's different when you're self-aware you make that step and that's when it changes that's when your mindset really really makes that 
step into the journey that you want it to do. It's never going to be easy. It's never going to be a straight line. There's always going to be ups and downs. You're going to have your low days, but you get that first step of, okay, I've spoken to someone. That someone's then shown me a leaflet. That someone's then taken me out. That someone's then introduced me to somebody else. Now I've got two people to talk to. Yeah. It spirals into a group, a network, a support a communication network. of these people all can help me and now I'm, I'm getting somewhere. Yeah. But ultimately those people would then also support you if anything was to relapse. True. And yeah. that's when it comes into control of how is the things that Seek Forgiveness does or all the other charities do out there, how are they supporting? What are they doing? They're giving you that, that voice, that element of we're here for you. Mm. We can relate to you. We've had our own mental health as well, but we know your mental health is different. Your journey is different. How can we support you? What is it that we can do for you? Yeah. Because your health is a priority for us. It's an important message, I think. It's and an essentially, message. it's they may not only just need a therapist, they might need an exercise regime. They might need a support group. They might need to learn coping techniques, mechanisms in order to help them grow as a person or grow stronger or learn if if I'm having a panic attack or I'm going through severe anxiety what is my go-to mm. and just, everybody has those uh, yeah uh, uh, 100% um, and I think it goes back to like what you were saying off off screen is like mental health spectrum yes so it's like you've got your like quote-unquote like minor issues where it's like you know you could, let's say situational like you're panicking about a certain thing so like speaking on stage can be quite fearful for some people yes so they have anxiety or they'll be like oh i'm just gonna vomit over here or something like (laughs) that which is what most people do um i know a comedian that needs to shit every time (laughs) (laughs) but everybody has their thing so it's it's like okay so that's that's good anxiety there's good stresses but when it's on a spectrum of, okay, I need support, I know I'm going to have a panic attack, how am I going to do that? And people who are aware of it, those who are trained, especially being able to have more um, people who are trained, say, in mental health first aiding. Yeah. You know, there is something there that's like that. There is loads of other courses where businesses, charities, individuals can learn more about mental health. And that's how to aid someone in, in a situation they may have not come across. So, we need to be able to learn those things and be able to give that support because not all mental health is bad. It is good for you to some extent. Yeah. But it's how you cope with it. What's your coping technique? Because Mm. someone might like going to the gym to release stress, someone might like baking, eating, drinking. (laughs) (laughs) But drinking isn't bad for you. It's when it's. When you're drinking just because you're drinking, when we had the conversation That's earlier... That's the best kind. <laughs> is when someone's coming home every day from work and the only thing that's on their mind is where my next drink's going Booze, to be. Yeah. Where's the nearest shop I can get it to? Can I have it in my drawer at work? Or can I have it in my bag and not get stopped? Is someone going to smell it from me if I have a sip in the morning? Yeah. That's when it's out of control or it's and crazy. it's something that they're not managing with. Yeah. Um, I'm having those tools to have that conversation with someone. Hmm. Sometimes you have to be bold. 
I take the initiative. Yeah, you yeah. have to be bold and say, do you have a drinking problem? Are you having suicidal thoughts? Yeah. Is there something I need to be worried about? Because sometimes that can shock that person. And it can get that ball rolling as well for yes, them to consider definitely, it themselves. Yes, 100%. Um, what's, in the f- what, what's in store for the future then with Seek Ooh, Forgiveness? We have so many things. <laughs> <laughs> um, our main aim at the moment is to kind of reduce that gap between the communication and language barriers of understanding what mental health is. Mm. Whether that's through speech, through small courses, workshops, <clears throat> podcasts... It's giving someone else that step forward to say, okay, this is a real person who's actually sharing their journey with me, who I don't even know, but I feel the same as they do. Yeah. And they have that person. So our aim has always been to help that one life, that one John, that one thing that we can do for you is to be there for you. How can we do it? Right. And... If we were to do that every day, we would help how many? I don't know. Yeah. But if I was to base it with Seek Forgiveness, we do 10 projects in a year. That's 10 people that I would never have met. It's 10 people that those people would have never have met. Mm. And then the 15 people within that group that would have never met anybody else. Yeah. You just keep expanding. Yeah. It's, it's noble, isn't it? I think one of my favourite things that you, you guys do are the podcasts in Punjabi. Oh, thank you. Uh, they're really, plug, really plug, good. Plug. I think, yeah, but I think they're, obviously the content's good, but I think that's exactly kind of what's needed. Yeah. Because <clears throat> the way that mental health became such a focus point in Western culture was through conversations. Mm. And it's like, if there's a language barrier there, and those conversations aren't being had in Punjabi, Urdu, Hindi, whatever, then that conversation is never going to be had in that community, is it? thing is we've kind of and if we were to take it back really back into the day majority of our families were meeting every weekend having a cup of tea having samosa or you know biscuits or whatever it is sitting around having a chat and you'd see the kids running around and you know if something was wrong yeah we don't have that as much anymore because we have what most of us would say is a life We want to go out, we want to go to theatre, we want to go to cinema, we want to see our friends. We don't have those conversations anymore. People don't see what we're going through. And the only time we actually see people now, or especially close family or friends, is when there's an occasion. And nobody wants to have have mental health talks on occasions. Imagine it's a fucking wedding. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's not even that. It's just like, oh, hey, how are you? Okay, yeah, that's great, thanks. Okay, I'll see you later. Catch up, ring me, okay? And that's it. Yeah. It's never usually like, okay, come round my house, let's have a, a catch-up. It just never happens. Yeah, and like you never naturally, you're, you're never in those situations naturally where those conversations can, 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 mm. can spark. Mm. Like most of my relationships with like older family members is them just forwarding WhatsApp videos to me now. <laughs> is it? Like, the family WhatsApp group. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always that fucking... Make sure you send the happy Diwali or happy Bundy <laughs> yeah. Jord and that's it, it's, yeah. It's always, it, or, or there's like some fucking video from India with like a really bad bongra track on the back. From like, TikTok. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and those are basically family relations now. But yeah, they just don't have that conversation. I mean, I'm quite lucky. I've got a big family. I'm the youngest of four. Mm. And I'm, my nephews and nieces are just everything. But I've been quite lucky where 
my nephews and nieces do talk to me about anything and they're not shy about anything and I have the ability to say to them is there anything you want to talk to me about yeah um but ultimately they also ask the questions as well as in because they're in a world of do you want to be successful? Do you want to know what this is? Have you learned coding at school? And <laughs> this, that, the other. And it's like, okay, but are you happy? Yes. We have the ability where we can say to the next generation is, don't see it in the sense of, it's going to give me the most money. See it in the sense of, is that going to make you happy? Is that where you want to be? Mm. Plan it. Learn about it. And if it is, then okay, let's support you. If it isn't, then okay, let's reflect on what it is that you do want to do. Yeah. And giving them the tools to do that. Yeah. I th- I, and that's never like taught at school and stuff. I think that, that needs to come from family, mm. which is, you know, your focus should be happiness. Yeah. Rather than... But also learning about really simple things like how to manage your finances and how to manage, you know, day-to-day life. I mean, buying a house nowadays is like... You have to take out five mortgages in order to do it first. <laughs> yeah. But we're never taught that. Yeah. You know, st- the drive is just education, education, education. And once education is done, is then get a really good job, do the good job, then get married, then after marriage, buy the house, have the children. That's it. That's your life. Oh, hell. <laughs> <laughs> but they never talk about, okay, if you Middle don't get class the job, hell. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't get is. the job, then what do you do? If you don't get into the university, then what do you do? Yeah. We met a lovely group of students the other day and they all had their ambitions in what they wanted to do. But ultimately, they all had their own journeys. They all had their own path. And they never really actually um, championed their talents. Yeah. So it was like the ability to be a graphic designer or to sketch really good drawings or to write poems or to be like a fashion influencer and all these other things. There's so many other things that people can do yeah. that just doesn't have to be, be the doctor, be the dentist, yeah. be, be the accountant. <laughs> There's, why can't you do both? I'm with you, I'm with you. Uh, <laughs> last point before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you about, you briefly mentioned this, I'm not actually sure what the response is going to be to this, but you mentioned you do, was it sex workshops? We have covered um, <clears throat> projects about relating sex, but it's mainly on the senses of, do we know what it's about, how, it's, how we're educating people? So it's like sex education, but for like brown people? Kind of. Absolutely incredible. <laughs> but ultimately, it's also about giving the education of being able to say no. Oh, consent training? Yeah. Right, okay, right. That's less funny. I can't really talk about that. <laughs> Only because it's... I thought you were like going around teaching people how to give hand jobs. <laughs> Please tell me you're not going to put this on the They're going to be like, seek forgiveness, have seeker attached to it, you know, and then he's like, yes, sex. No, I think it's... No, no, no. So I do think it's fucking important, right? We, what we plan to do within this year is to have more conversations about sex, purely because... We don't have that conversation. It's always the bees and the birds, and you have it at school. Yeah. Um, but when we're going into university, people are exposed to it. They don't have that conversation. They don't know who to go to. Yeah. We don't have those conversations about abortions. We don't have those conversations about, I had sex, but I didn't want to. Um, I didn't really know what my first time was. 
there's so many other things yeah. that we don't really have a talk to talk about but then there's also so many other groups and charities that can help support those conversations mm. that they can talk to and get resources from yeah and i think it ultimately it just boils down to what's going to be beneficial for these communities yeah and it's beneficial for people to be aware of things like consent and you know Yes. Oh, gro- oh, grooming. I thought you said women. <laughs> I was like, I, d- I doubt Sandy's there. Just like, look, this is how you pull on Tinder, right? This is, I, doubt, I doubt that's what the workshops are about. <laughs> no, but it's making them more self-aware with like the women that we do meet and the men that we meet is getting them to talk about it in the sense that, okay, if you needed support, who would you go to? Don't go by yourself. Don't go to a clinic by yourself. Don't go. To, you go to the pharmacy by yourself. Do you know what you're putting into your body? Yeah. You know, having those conversations. But ultimately, it comes down to also is that we're here. We have people from back home come over here, but they don't know. And are we adhering to whatever they want us to? Yeah. And then you, it falls into the bracket of sexual abuse, domestic violence. You're not adhering to what I want you to. Mm. There's so many other elements of where it can stem out of control if you just don't have that conversation. Yeah. And again, it falls into health. If you don't know what your body is needing or telling you, how are you going to go to somebody and say, okay, I have this problem? Yeah, I was reading some mad, mad shit about how like attitudes towards like periods yes in, in, so there's amazing charity out there called Bindi Bindi Bindi. Bindi. Yeah, they're amazing and they do so many things uh, it, was, it was one of their posts I was, I, I, I was reading about I need to get in touch with them to bring them on by the way but um, I was reading something about their po- like women were sharing their experiences of like attitudes towards periods and there was one experience where like their family wouldn't let them cook when they were on their period because they were like you've got bad like spirits and shit yeah. <laughs> like, I was like what you're, you're unclean for like five days I was like, what? The thing is, is we've come across young girls who have come through to seek forgiveness and said, I can't tell my dad that I'm on my period, but I'm on my period. And we, we can't talk about, we can't say period um, because that means I'm officially a woman now. And I'm, they don't want Jeez. me to be. Um, and some people can start their period when they're like nine years old. Yeah. And for a, a parent or from someone who's not used to a conversation like that, they're like, well, you can't be a woman at nine. You're a child. Yeah. Mm. Now, there's so many other conversations that impacts that individual growing up. And then where do they turn to for, to learn about health? What's healthy, what's yeah. not? Like, you know, I would, again, I'm going to be like crude, but if I woke up one, one day and my like, dick was bleeding and I had no idea... <laughs> No, I'm being for real. Like, yeah. and I had like no idea like why this was happening. Yeah, that must be such like a terrifying experience. But then not being able to turn to your family. Yes, it's fucking mental. But not even be able to have that conversation. Just say, okay, on my period, leave me alone. Yeah. You know, yeah. our moods do change. You know how we feel, what we do. Our bodies change. But not being able to have that conversation at home is can be hard. Mm. And there's girls that in the UK that are still feeling it we shouldn't have to it's not something that there isn't anything wrong with this it's not something that we've done wrong in order to have a period it's natural yeah I think that's like quite a poetic note to end on so we'll put (laughs) we'll pop all of your links and stuff in the description for the for the for the videos um 
Seek forgiveness. Sandy, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome.